This is one of a series of podcasts assembled from recordings made by United Nations Web TV in April 2016. It includes the opening remarks of a candidate for the position of United Nations Secretary General at an informal question and answer session with members of the UN General Assembly. This was followed by a media stakeout. This podcast was produced by me, Wyken Seagrave, Secretary of the Coventry Branch of the United Nations Association of the United Kingdom. You can download the podcasts of all the candidates or watch their videos and also vote for the candidate of your choice at our website unacov, that's U-N-A-C-O-V, dot U-K. This podcast features Antonio Guterres, former Prime Minister of Portugal and former United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, who is Portugal's candidate for the United Nations Secretary General. We start with his opening remarks to members of the General Assembly. I now will welcome on the floor to Mr. Antonio Guterres, to present his vision statement and give us uh, some additional remarks. Antonio. Mr. President, Excellencies, distinguished delegates, first of all, allow me a few remarks uh, in relation to the paper I have presented. And first, why am I here as a candidate? I believe I'm an extremely privileged man. God has given me the opportunity to access a wide range of opportunities difficult to match, but that creates an obligation for public service. After 28 years of political engagement in my own country, motivated by what I felt as a student volunteer, the shock I felt as a student volunteer in the slums of Lisbon, I had the chance to serve the most vulnerable of the vulnerable as I commissioner for refugees. An extraordinary privilege, but a terrible frustration, because there was no humanitarian solution for their plight. The solution, as it was the case in relation to the misery in the slums of of Lisbon, is always political. But the best place to address the root cause of human suffering is at the center of the UN system, and that's why I am a candidate for Secretary General. And that brings me to the centrality of prevention. We all say that the international community spends more time and resources managing crises than preventing them. TV cameras are not there where a crisis is avoided. And so it's natural that it is difficult for governments and for international organizations to have prevention as a priority. But I believe prevention must be not only a priority, but the priority of everything we do. And that, of course, demands a huge cultural change and a true revolution in global advocacy. Monsieur le Président. Mr. President. The root causes of conflict and security, poverty, inequalities, or even environmental desecration, systematic violations of human rights, are increasingly interlinked. The root causes of conflict become increasingly interlinked, and that is the reason that there is a core importance attached to, attached to prevention and a comprehensive vision. We need to understand the global trends of today's world and find strategies and policies which together and at the same time can act in line with the United Nations three pillars. 
Mr. President, it is here, however, that historic agreements on the 2013 Agenda and the objectives of the Sustainable Development Goals and climate change have created a unique opportunity. And it falls to the Secretary General to mobilize the entire United Nations system in cooperation with other regional and international organizations, civil society, and the private sector to support the states, which are the leaders of this process, with full support which ensures the success of the implementation of the agenda and at the same time inform the reform of the United Nations development system. I think that the relative balance between the various bodies of the United Nations should not be changed. But we do have to promote uh, convergence and strategic consistency with the entire system. The dots, and no one better than the UN to do so, based on its universality and its wide range of expertise. To tame climate change and to achieve the sustainable development goals is also a key prevention tool in relation to peace, security and human rights. But let's be clear, if there is something in which the international community is failing, is in conflict, prevention and resolution, and in safeguarding global security against terrorism. And that is why I believe we need a surge in diplomacy for peace. Leadership of member states is essential as we have seen recently in the Syrian crisis that was uh, with an initiative that was led by the United States and the Russian Federation. But as power relations are becoming less clear, leadership is becoming also a more complex concept requiring a collective approach. And that is where I see a role for the good offices of the Secretary General, acting with humility, without arrogance, without giving lessons to anybody, but working as a convener, as a facilitator, as a catalyst, and behaving like an honest broker, a bridge builder, and a messenger for peace. And the review of peacekeeping, peace building, and the women, peace and security resolution, even if this cannot be seen as a package, also create a unique opportunity to develop a comprehensive, a modern, and an effective operational peace architecture encompassing from prevention and conflict resolution to peacekeeping, peace building and long-term development, what can be called the peace continuum that requires an holistic, not a fragmented approach, and that must have at its center the support to capacity and institutional building of states. Strengthening state capacity, institutions and societies is not only essential in preventing crises and in promoting development, it is also the best foundation for human rights to be protected and enjoyed and for member states to respect their human rights obligations without discrimination. And it is the role of the Secretary-General to mainstream human rights across the whole of the UN system, namely through the uh, Human Rights Upfront Initiative. But leading by example, the Secretary-General must also stand for the reputation of the UN and of its staff, imposing the highest possible levels of demand in relation to ethical standards to everyone working under the UN. And human rights, both civil and political rights, and economic, social and cultural rights, 
must be seen as a common value by us all and must be promoted as such with credibility, with objectivity and in an unbiased way without linking it to any other political objectives. Allow me a few words on a central issue for us all, gender. The UN must be at the forefront of the efforts of the international community for gender equality. And let's be honest, it was not always exactly the case. But for that, we need three principles of action. First, to progressively move from perceiving women and girls as only a subject of protection to fully committing to the empowerment of women and girls at all levels. Second, from an isolated focus on women and girls to gender mainstreaming across all relevant policies and operations. And third, to understand that the name for gender equality in staff management in the UN is parity. And that is why, if elected in the early months of my mandate and after the necessary consultations, I will present a roadmap for parity at all levels with clear benchmarks and timeframes and giving priority to the selection of senior staff. I believe that from now on, the Secretary-General must respect parity in the appointments of the Secretary-General in relation to the members of the Chief Executive Board and the Senior Management Group, and that a shift is necessary in relation to the selection of uh, special representatives and envoys, where, let's be clear, we have been moving backwards in recent times. And the same commitment is necessary to ensure regional equilibrium in the selection of senior staff. Allow me a few words on coordination and reform. We need a less process-oriented coordination and a more results-focused, delivery-oriented coordination. And coordination is about accountability, transparency and leadership. But to have a collective responsibility in the UN, we need three levels of accountability. Global system-wide accountability, accountability of each organization in relation to its mandate, and accountability of each organization in relation to how it contributes to the global performance of the system. We need a culture of evaluation, independent and real-time evaluation with full transparency. And we need to understand that our working methods, our rules and procedures are too complex, too cumbersome, too headquarters-oriented. And my experience at UNHCR shows that working together with member states, we can go a long way in simplifying with a win-win reform strategy, making the UN more effective and cost-effective, more nimble, more flexible, more decentralized, and more field-oriented. Excellencies, we live in dangerous times. We need to combine all our efforts, not only to promote peace, not only to solve conflicts, but also to exercise our collective responsibility based on our legal right and our moral duty to eradicate terrorism in all its forms and uh, in all its uh, manifestations. And we need to be able to unite around our values, our universal values, recognized by the Charter and by all religions in the world to confront radicalization, intolerance and violent extremism. We must be proud of the UN diversity because our diversity is the best way to assert our common humanity. Thank you very much. Thank you, Antonio Guterres.
These opening remarks were followed by a question and answer session which lasted about two hours. You can find a link to a video from our website unacov.uk. Next, we have a recording of the media stakeout which followed. Good evening. Thank you for waiting. I'm Dan Thomas. I'm the communications director and the spokesman for the president of the UN General Assembly. Uh, thank you for uh, attending this media stakeout following today's informal dialogue of the General Assembly. Uh, I'd like to announce, uh, uh, introduce you to Mr. Antonio Guterres, the former United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and former Prime Minister of his country, Portugal, which has nominated him as a candidate for the position of the next Secretary General of the United Nations. Sir, you have the floor. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen from the media, thank you very much for your presence. Uh, I want, first of all, to congratulate the President of the General Assembly for this excellent demonstration of transparency in the UN system. And um, I was very pleased to have this opportunity. And I would like to say that uh, this shows uh, an important direction for the future of the organization. I'm here with uh, humility available for public service, uh, as I had the opportunity to say uh, inside uh, the uh, session room. Uh, I believe uh, that I'm an extremely privileged person, that uh, I've been given the opportunity to serve uh, in uh, different capacities, accumulating a wide range of experiences, and this creates an obligation for uh, uh, public service. Uh, and um, I remember I started uh, my citizenship activities uh, working as a volunteer in the slums of Lisbon. And that made me understand uh, as the terrible problems that the population there was facing that there was no solution for them but a political solution. And that's why I became a politician. And then one day I discovered that uh, politics also have its limitations uh, and at a certain moment uh, I thought that others should be better placed uh, to follow uh, in my country the leadership of the party and of the country. And then I had the, this extraordinary opportunity to serve the most vulnerable of the vulnerable as High Commissioner for Refugees for more than 10 years. And again, you can't imagine the frustration to be trying to support people in desperate situations and knowing that we have no solution for their plight because the solution, as it was the case in the slums of Lisbon, is political. And that is why I, I think uh, that uh, in no other place in the world we have more chances to address, as I said, the root causes of human suffering than uh, in the center of the UN system. That is the reason why I am a candidate. Thank you. Any question? More question uh, over here. Please. Please. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Gutierrez. We were very impressed. You will need to speak a little oh, bit louder. Oh, sorry. You Thank you. My name is... Yes, sure. Shauna McGee with Kyoto News. You were the only uh, candidate who answered the question about the total elimination of nuclear weapons. So would you elaborate a little bit on your answer? It leaves us a bit puzzled about whether it's just a dream or is it possible? What would you do if elected in this post? Thank you. I, I think that uh, what I said in the room is exactly what I can say. I do believe that it is difficult to elaborate more on things where my competence doesn't simply exist. I have a dream. Uh, it's to member states that belong the possibility to one day my dream becoming true. Another question? Here's a, here's a question here. Sir. Thank you. 
Davina Lala from ARD German TV. Um, how are you planning to finance your campaign? To find? finance? Yeah. Finance. Finance. My campaign? Yeah. yeah. Well, my campaign is very cheap, uh, first of all. And secondly, the, the Portuguese government uh, is uh, paying for the expenditures, uh, I mean, plane uh, tickets and hotels uh, in my uh, movements around and uh, also for the very uh, small logistic support that I have. Uh, But um, uh, I'm not worried about the Portuguese capacity to respect uh, the budgetary limits because of that. As you know, Portugal is in a complex process in related to budgetary limits. I don't think that this will be a problem. The gentleman, uh, gentleman here. Um, ben Oreskes from Political Europe. I wonder if you could say a little bit more. Refugees are being sent back about... Sorry? Refugees, migrants are being sent back from Greece... I wonder if you could say a little bit more. You said in there, very articulate, about how Europe needs refugees. What more could the European Commission be doing? Well, I think that, first of all, uh, you still remember what I said when I was High Commissioner for Refugees, and the only thing I can tell you is that I fully support what the present High Commissioner for Refugees and UNHCR is saying at the present moment. Here with Voice of America. Uh, you covered so many different topics. Can you tell us what you think the number one priority facing the UN is uh, in, in the next decade? Because uh, the next Secretary General will be, his tenure will ex As I said, long. prevention, prevention, prevention. You heard we are spending uh, 70% of our resources in peacekeeping. And in peacekeeping where there is no peace to keep. Uh, we are seeing the impacts of climate change. We are seeing the problems of uh, uh, inequality uh, and um, lack of inclusivity in development in many parts of the world. So to prevent with an holistic approach, uh, which means to address the three pillars of the UN activity from a prevention perspective, is clearly my pers personal priority. Hi, uh, Dave Bryan with the AP. Um, how much of an obstacle do you think it is of an obstacle to your campaign do you think it is that you're neither from Eastern Europe nor a woman? I don't know. And uh, I leave that to the decisions of the member states in the General Assembly and the Security Council. There is a set of criteria. It's up to them to make a hierarchy of those criteria and to decide according to uh, their own sovereign uh, capacity. Thank you very much. I have a quick Thank question. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.